1: Hey everybody, it's Jim Mallard here. Welcome to The Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9pm Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Mallory Report, the views, thoughts and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, killerpodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate or any other individual or group. On the Mallory Report, the views, thoughts and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, killerpodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate or any other individual or group. So, a little behind the scenes for the people listening on the audio version. I uh, I got some live listeners that I say, let's light this candle, because I traditionally light a candle, because like I was telling my guests, we normally do a little bit more of a paranormal show, so I kind of try to set the mood, and tonight the match broke in half, and lit, and landed on a pile of index cards in the plastic, and melted the plastic, so we almost had a fire, which would have been classic way to start the show, but it, I got it put out before it just some plastic, so, yeah, that was a little more excitement than I needed to start the show. Um... Good thing my guest tonight is uh, Cole. Common collected. My guest tonight is Robert Kabacy. Um, there we go. Robert, how are you doing tonight? You said Bob, Bob earlier. Bob's Which great. is it? Which is it, Bob or Robert? Yeah, Bob. Bob. Yeah, okay. my
0: friends friends call me Bob, so well, please we'll, call we'll me Bob, Bob tonight. Bob. So, yes.
1: uh, for, okay, let's, let's give this thumbnail sketch of who you are, and then we'll get into the book.
0: Sure. So I'm a lawyer. I practice on the West Coast, mainly Oregon and Washington, and uh, I've been practicing for uh, going on close to 30 years now. I do mainly estate planning and uh, business transactions, but really focus on the estate planning, wealth transfer, uh, everything kind of surrounding what happens when somebody passes, administration of the estate, planning for death, and and things like that. Uh, I've got a family uh, and uh, really enjoying the Northwest I uh, was a swimmer in college I continue to swim today and uh, hobbies include uh, magic and a little bit of traveling
1: magic like uh, like uh, card magic or
0: yeah like card card magic close-up uh, parlor and a little bit of stage magic uh, I've had the opportunity to be on stage with David Copperfield a couple of times just by luck, him, him throwing a frisbee and me being up on stage with him, but that was quite an experience being a, a fellow magician. Although not I was going to say, d- I mean, him.
1: as like I said, we normally talk about things. It doesn't luck isn't a thing around here. So uh, good opportunity okay. for you, right? Like because
0: uh, I mean, yeah. it would it
1: meant way more to, to you than it would have to me to be up there.
0: It was fantastic to be up there. I really enjoyed it. The thing that stood out was you couldn't really see the audience. The lights are so bright. You see about two people into the audience, two rows into the audience, and that's about it.
1: So before we dive deep into the book, what made you want to get into this particular type of law? Because it doesn't seem like the uh, popular one going into school.
0: No, it's not a sexy field. Uh, and uh, does not attract a lot of candidates either. I, I think what really drove me into this field was the fact I've got an knack for it. Um, when I, I've always wanted to be a lawyer since I was a young child, and um, pursued that, um, got good degrees, got a degree in psychology with minors in economics and mathematics in college, and then went on to law school at Marquette University, I uh, really did well there and got a chance to clerk or um, extern with the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals out there, which was a great experience. Uh, but one thing that I never realized was, frankly, how easy my Trust in the States course was there. And I never put two and two together until I got out in the early nineties and started practicing. And at that time, it was tough to find a job. Uh, Got a job and ended up doing insurance defense for a little bit. Really didn't like that too much and then ended up in my current firm and uh, started doing some business law, had, a, had an affinity to that, but then was introduced to the estate planning and it just, it just hit perfect and it was a perfect match for my psychology degree. I was able to help people and uh, especially help them during tough times during their life. Uh, which really satisfied a need for me to serve serve the public, and so it's blossomed into a great career. My firm was um, you know for had the foresight to train me well by some of the best in the country and it's worked out pretty well as a great career for me
1: so I was telling Bob before we got started here that uh, normally we do a more- par- paranormal spiritual based show and when uh, Brenna reached out to me with this uh, this book I went took me back. It does. It left me speechless, and I've then instantly said yes, because we're always so afterlife-driven here, but at the same point, like we're going to get into here, there's a grieving family involved at some point. Now, if it's immediately when some people go out and start investigating, or years after, that I mean, that grief is still part of that process, so it hit me hard, I mean, like, brought me back to reality about some of the things we, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say take for granted, but we're always trying to I always try to remind people that there's still living people connected to these people that we may be investigating, so with that being said well, go ahead,
0: yeah, even you know, and I was thinking about your show ahead of time and how how magic sort of fits into that, because remember when Harry Houdini passed away, he he really indicated to his wife, Bess, at the time that he was going to come back. Uh, from the afterlife and give her messages. And um, there was no recorded uh, identification of any messages that were received by Harry Houdini after he passed. Uh, But it got me thinking that, you know, as part of the overall connection between the afterlife, the paranormal, and the current life, how do the dead communicate with the living and so this book really fits that kind of mechanism because it's a way for someone who's passed to communicate certain things that they want to the living even though they're gone so it's a tangible mechanism and tool that people can use to accomplish what harry houdini seemingly couldn't accomplish
1: and on that in that same vein we'll take it down the more honest approach to this answer i mean we all know we're dying right? One way or the other. But but when, when people that you love want to have that conversation with you about, Hey, I want cremated or I don't know that way. That's the only one that jumped in my mind. I'm sure you can probably ladder off 10 or 12 things that need to be wrote down. So get your final wishes are taken care of. Hence the point of the book. But no, no, we don't have to worry about that now. No, we're good. So your book really takes that uncomfortable conversation, writes it down. So you don't, I don't want to say you don't have to have it, Obviously, it would be good to have it, but nevertheless, most people aren't having them.
0: Most people don't. In fact, the statistics indicate that about 7 out of 10 people don't have any form of planning uh, whatsoever, and the state is very aware of that. As a result, the state has, each state has statutes that say if you don't have planning in place, here's what's going to happen and statutorily uh, sometimes you have to go to court to work things out it, they define your errors for you and I, what I find is in my practice most people don't want the state telling them what to do they want to plan their own estate and the good news is we have the ability to do so the problem is we all procrastinate or don't think we're going to pass it, it's interesting when, when talking about death it's easier for people to talk about it as if it is going to occur, but not necessarily occur to them. They know planning is the right thing to do, uh, and it's the responsible thing to do, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. And unfortunately, that causes procrastination, and the statistic that shows that, again, seven out of ten people don't get around to doing it.
1: So, okay, let's um, get into the few people that do, which, wow, that's kind of a low number. So, I, I'm familiar vaguely enough of wills, but you're saying estate planning and the whole bit, so help me, walk me through this being the naive 37-year-old person that I am.
0: Sure. So estate planning can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. To a financial planner, an estate plan might be how to handle your finances today, but, but primarily estate planning deals with... Uh, We're putting in writing legally how you're going to pass your wealth and wishes to the next generation or to heirs or to charity or whoever you want to leave your your belongings to. It can be comprised of several different aspects. There's uh, joint property, uh, holding assets jointly. It can be a will. Most people know how wills work. Uh, You write your wishes down on a will and you have it notarized. Uh, witnessed and notarized in, in accordance with law. And then those wishes are carried out usually through what's called a probate or a court process. Wills always have to go through probate depending on the size of the estate. Uh, then the alternative is some people draft trusts, and trusts don't have to be complicated. Uh, I can describe what a trust what is if you're curious. Yeah. Or oh, you're yeah, like
1: I said, I'm, I'm into okay. it now, so we're here. Okay, <laughs> very good.
0: Very good. So. Uh, the difference between a will and a trust is generally a will has to go through probate, where a trust does not. Let me explain in simple format what a trust is and how it works. If you've ever picked blackberries before, generally when you go out to pick blackberries, you take a bucket with you to collect the blackberries. Let's assume for this analogy that blackberries represented assets or property, and the bucket represented a trust. When you pick a blackberry or collect an asset like buy a house open up a bank account you have a choice of keeping that blackberry in your hand or putting the blackberry in the bucket in either case you can take that blackberry and eat it or you can trade it for strawberries because those blackberries are yours the difference between having the blackberry in your hand and the blackberries in the bucket or the trust though is that when you pass when you pass the blackberries in your hand mortis sets in and those blackberries get crushed as a result it creates a mess and we have to go to court called probate to clean up the mess before we can give the residue of the estate to the beneficiaries whereas with the blackberries in the bucket at your death you just set the bucket down and you name who then controls the bucket and can distribute the blackberries without having to go to court so trusts have multiple purposes, but primarily revocable trusts serve the purpose of avoiding probate, and avoiding court, and a big mess and delays and expense at the death uh, of the person who created the trust.
1: So why? Does that? Yeah, it answers, well, it obviously leaves more questions, but uh, <laughs> so why don't more people create trust? Is it just the general lack of lo- awareness?
0: Yeah, a lot of people create trust because they, they're they not aware of them. They think they're complicated and only for the wealthy. They think they're super expensive or they just simply don't want to take the time to understand them. Or they've met with, say, a general practitioner who, who just, you know, is very aware of wills, wants to keep things simple and doesn't want to venture into trust. I know in my practice, I do a lot of trust for people because they don't want to have to go to court and probate and let's be honest it's not the person doing the trust who's going to have to go to court or probate they're going to be dead <laughs> but it's the people that they leave behind that are going to have to go through probate so it's really a gift to the next generation to do the planning just just like the book is you know the more information you can give to the people le- you're leaving behind the better
1: so let's let's stop here for a second uh, give me a hard sell i'm not a hard sell uh, people probably are just like me and interested in the book now. So what's the title of the book and where can people find it and all that other stuff?
0: Sure. So the book is called About Me, Information You Will Need When I've Passed. It's available uh, at Beyond Words uh, Publishing, and it's also available online at Amazon, uh, Barnes and & Nobles, and a lot of the, the normal retailers. Um, I know uh, it, it retails for twenty four ninety five. And it's hardcover. It's uh, it's a it's a resource that is all of the non legal practical stuff that people leave behind that you can give to the next the people you leave behind the information about you. So, for example, you know if you were to pass away, how are people going to know how to get into your cell phone or what your passwords were for your computer or what automatic bill pays you are. I just recently experienced in a state where someone passed away and they, the surviving spouse could not get the automatic bill pays shut off. It took us three months to get those shut off and as a result you know, there was a lot of wasted money and of course we got refunds and stuff but it still was uh, pretty hard for the surviving spouse. What the book does is it allows someone to record all of the practical non-legal information about them. So that the heirs and people, the loved ones they leave behind, have an easier time administering the estate. It's a great companion to a legal estate plan. But I have to say it's not an estate plan within itself. The estate plan should be done legally like a will or a trust uh, and comply with legal statutes.
1: It's funny you mention this because, well, I've told somebody where it is. I'm not going to tell everybody where it is. Well, of course. Uh, I've left a list of passwords for websites that I've developed. <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: Because yeah. I was worried, you know, like, like what happens to you know, if something happens to me, what, you know, and I have all these websites that I'm working on. There's, you know, like, so, I mean, I'm on the road, I guess, but not literally. I mean, that's small potatoes to what you're, you're what you're thinking about, but still.
0: Sure, sure. Leaving any information behind is helpful. And if you're not familiar with with how helpful it can be, just imagine that you, uh, one of your loved ones that you have in your life, and let's say that they suddenly passed away, and you are named as the executor, the one that has to basically clean up everything and administer the estate. Without knowing much about them, you're going to have a daunting task ahead of you. Whereas if you had an estate plan and some information like can be contained in this book available and at your fingertips, the administration process will be a whole lot easier.
1: Yeah, it's gotta be. Okay. So what, so you've got the book you said it's a companion piece. Obviously you're encouraging people to look at doing trust. Um, but I'm still lost. Why, why isn't this more? Why don't more people know about this? This is just because I, I think now this, you know, I see all these, um, I'll say it nicely. Ambulance chasers on TV. Right. Mm-hmm. If you've been hurt in an yeah. accident or you've taken any medication or, you know, you know, you know, you know, the, you know exactly who I'm talking right. about.
0: Right. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Why isn't estate planning and that end of the legal spectrum out there like this or like that?
0: Well, it kind of it gets into the psychology of what we're talking about a little bit, and that is we're talking about death, and specifically death of our own person. And that is a hard concept for a lot of people to address. You know, it's interesting. Uh, as human beings, we all share a couple of things in common. We're born and we die. And then what happens in between is what adds color to who we are as people and individuals. This book captures that color as to who we are. But the the fact of the matter is, if we look at the psychology, when someone's born, it's a celebratory event. Everybody is happy, there's creation, it's positive. But when somebody dies, we're grieving and it's hurtful. And we want to avoid that. You know, it's always, I hate to draw this analogy, but it brings the feelings to it you know when you go out and you get your new iPhone or your new cell phone it's a it's a fun event in fact you know apple i think even had these unboxing events with the first cell phone and everybody's celebrating and stuff but when someone loses their cell phone oh my gosh the world is coming to an end we'll take that and magnify it times 10 you have the birth of a child everybody's celebrating there's balloons congratulations but then when you have the death of a loved one everybody's mourning and sad and we don't like that as human beings so we have a natural instinct to avoid that because we want to survive generally and we don't want to think about death so it's a field that is one that i've kind of have a crusade to bring awareness to it to say hey let's not ignore the fact that it's going to happen and let's just make it easier for our loved ones as opposed to uh, you know, ignoring the fact, putting our head in the sand, and having a very difficult time, uh, you know, or, or the stress of knowing that our loved ones are going to have a difficult time administering our estate. I, I think awareness is really important, and I think just addressing it head on and saying, hey, I know it's going to happen. Let's be like a Boy Scout and plan for it, or a Girl Scout and plan for it.
1: Which is key because, like you said, we're, we're, none of us are undefeated. When it comes to the game of life,
0: <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. It's something we all share in common.
1: And it's it's funny actually. This morning I, I flipped open TikTok, and somebody out there is going to hate me for saying that. But anyways, and there was Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, Larry King, which you know, odd to see those two on on TikTok. But they were. T- um, Larry asked him if he'd live forever, and he said no, because if I had, there'd be no motivation then. You know, you could always do it tomorrow because you have infinite tomorrows. Then There's no pressure to do anything. And I went, man, that sets the tone for today. (laughs) Let me tell you.
0: That's, that's, you know, and I was having a conversation with a very smart friend of mine one time. And we were talking about life and, and how long would you want to live for. And I actually kind of quipped to him in joking fashion Imagine if you're a vampire. You know, you live forever. I mean, then what? No wonder they're so bored all the time. <laughs> There's no motivation anymore. You've done everything. So
1: Yeah, I had to make sparkly you, vampires in movies to make it fun again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, you're from Oregon. That's even worse. I can't imagine. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. Okay, so what's what's what rewind the tape a little bit? You've been doing this for a number of years, so, yes. how has i mean, how has what you do changed, or how have the people that are coming to you changed, I guess maybe?
0: that's a great question. You know, um I don't think the uh, the laws have changed a little bit. you know, exemptions from estate tax have gone up and and things like that the The motivations to plan have not changed. I think the motivations are all the same i think what's changed is that that awareness is starting to uh, happen when i first started doing this um, not very many people were familiar with or knew about revocable living trust they were out there but they were relatively new the field was sort of burgeoning with information and uh, there were speakers but it, it was really starting to come into its own and today we're seeing quite an industry in the estate planning between the bank trust departments, uh trust companies, financial planners wanting to do holistic planning to include estate planning. Uh obviously the lawyers and CPAs that are are engaged in it as well because it does encompass a lot of things. It's not just about uh you know, where does your wealth go? I usually say to people, look, there's a difference between inheritance and legacy. Inheritance is the passage of wealth. Legacy is the passage of wealth and wisdom. And I think a lot of people are starting to understand that wisdom can be passed as well as well through the estate planning process. And that wisdom can take the form of, of uh, tangible information like can be contained in the book or even right in the estate plan as well. And it can take the form of discussing things and having family meetings During lifetime so that there's a little bit more information that is passed and the next generation doesn't necessarily have to start over and learn everything from scratch so I, I think there's an acceleration of information like in every field but that people are becoming more aware of it more familiar with it more comfortable with it and a little bit more willing to discuss it which is a real positive for the industry but you're right it's still not a sexy legal field i don't know a lot of people that go to law school to want to be an estate planner everyone wants to go to be a litigator and what used to be la law then was i don't know all the legal shows and stuff out there they don't want to be <laughs> let's throw out a like bunch that.
1: of letters right now and i think it's a new one so don't worry it's coming if it's
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> ncis or what i don't know what they are <laughs>
1: So now this is, you you said revocable rever revirca, living trust?
0: Revocable. Living Revo, okay. Yeah.
1: Yes. Th- give me some more about that cuz that's totally out there. I mean it's new to me. So
0: yeah, sure, sure. So remember our our bucket that collected the blackberries? That's that's considered a trust and a revocable trust is one that's totally flexible during lifetime, meaning that you can change it, you can pull property out of it, you can put property in it. Uh, you can alter it you can do whatever you want with the revocable trust during your lifetime in fact because it's a revocable trust and considered what's known as a grantor trust in the field you don't even have to file a separate tax return for it it's it's for all practical purposes you but generally speaking a, a revocable trust also doesn't provide any creditor protection or anything either So um, it's a great vehicle to avoid probate and keep the administration private, simple, and generally less expensive than having to go to court.
1: Interesting. Like I said, I'm naive to all of this because, well, some of it, but see, I'm on the other side of this. Now, this is where it gets a little fun for people who don't know me. Um, I'm a historian on a local cemetery board, so I kind of see the final end of all this, right? Uh-huh. And it, it, it sneaks, sneaks up on you here, right? So there are people who, you know, have had family buried at the cemetery for years and don't know where they are, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Right? Where they said they had one. We can't find the papers. But they said they had one. Can you help us? Well, okay. Let me dig through this book of, you know, handwritten stuff that I can barely read because, well, you know, it's a 100 years old. Uh,
0: right. Right. But
1: see this plays into that too because you know more and more now I've I've only been at this for oh god 7 years now and it seems the number of cremations has gone up compared to full burials. You now maybe it's just like I said maybe it's just this weird cycle but at least it seems that way to me unofficially no statistics you know kept but so I mean that that end of it well that's more of the um, funeral home end of that kind of thing but it all plays together like you're saying and it fascinates me, I guess, is why, again, why when I seen that email, I went, oh, yeah, there's this whole other part of this whole... Like I said, well, you've said it, too. There's different pieces involved here, and that's probably why nobody thinks it's sexy because nobody gets a whole lot of credit in that whole process.
0: Well, that's true. It's not like you win a big verdict at the end. You know, <laughs> you finish the administration and you're done. And, you know, you, hopefully the the... The funds and the wisdom go to the right people in the estate and and carry on. So you're right. There's no big finality or, or fanfare at the end of the process. And it's also a mechanical process. It's not like you're trying to trap somebody or, you know, there's no drama real involved except for the emotions and the psychology that go into it, which again it's a it's part of the grieving process, which nobody wants to participate in voluntarily anyway and so it's 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 a difficult process for those who are going through it and sometimes it's even difficult for me. I've had several clients pass away, and I'm crying with their family along with them because I really love them as people and human beings and i I love the surviving family that's left behind and it's it's hard for me too so you know, a bad week is when I have two or three clients pass away, and uh, I I have part of my heart that kind of dissolves a little bit, and has to, you know, I've got to figure out how to grow it back, and it's it's hard. Grieving is a very difficult process.
1: So that's where your psychology piece plays into this, right?
0: Right, right. Because exactly. I mean,
1: obviously, if you even losing a client a week, I mean, that's fifty two a year.
0: Right. That's, Right. That's
1: pretty uh, pretty steep for anybody to take one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes it's, you know, people, they're brand new clients, you know. I, I could get contacted by somebody who says, hey, we need help with administration. Sometimes it's, they've been with me for 20 years. And, you know, that's a that's a difficult process, as you said. So it's, um, I, I think the way to, to put it psychologically, you know, th- there was all these steps of grieving that, that people kind of gravitate toward, you know, how to cope with grief, and you got to go through the steps of, of acceptance and depression and, and those things. But really, what grieving, I think, entails is a loss of a segment of use of your brain. And think about this. When you interact with somebody during the day, and especially if you interact with them frequently, like a spouse or a parent or somebody like that, you're building a map in your brain how to interact with them, what to expect, how to say things, what to say, what not to say. You're building this whole map on interaction with them. And then all of a sudden they pass away and your map is no longer needed. So it's it's, it's this hole that's left. That needs to be filled like a void and you know as a result your brain has to sort of remap or use that space to remap and, and I'll tell you something that is why grieving is a difficult physical and mental process it takes a lot of energy because you're remapping your brain uh, as part of the grieving process and I, you know just a side story here that was part of the motivation for writing this book is that um 20 years ago my mother passed away and I had done her estate plan and while doing the estate planning process I asked her several questions about hey you know I don't know about some of the details that that you've got going on in your life I know you're my mom but you live your life and I live my life and I need to know some stuff so that if you know when you pass because she was passing of cancer so it was kind of expected Um, when you pass, I know what to do. And so we uh, basically assembled some information. I got to ask her several questions and got to really plan for it. What was unexpected, though, is when she passed, it was like a brain fog set in. And remember, I'm an estate planning lawyer. And at the moment when she passed for the next 48 hours, I just was not real clear on what to do, what was going on. And the only way I can describe it is it was that void in my brain that was starting to have to do a remapping process. As, and so, you know, I pulled out my three-ring binder that had all our answers in it and the estate plan in it and I started working through that, and it dawned on me a little bit later, my goodness, if I'm having this much problem going through death of the loss of a loved one, my mother, how is somebody else gonna handle it that doesn't have the training or experience that I have, and how are they handling the emotions behind it? Is there a resource out there? And I looked and looked and looked, and there was nothing out there. And so it really started the creative process of what type of gift could I give to people so that they would have an easier time going through it than somebody who doesn't have these resources at their disposal.
1: And as, as you're saying, there's the, also the you kind of had a clue it was coming. Now, if it happens suddenly, you, I mean, you're hmm. really up the creek.
0: That's right, and we see that, I I see that frequently where someone who's just recently had a 52-year-old husband pass away just suddenly, and um, the wife, you know, unexpected, heart attack, unexpected, and uh, the good news is their affairs in the state plan were in order, and we're working through the process, but... Talk about shock to the system, it, it, it's horrible for those left behind. You know, I've heard the phrase, it's easier to die than be left behind. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> with the grieving process, that might be the case.
1: It might be. It just might be. And okay, so here's another one that, from my little experience, um, we had a lady pass away recently who went by a nickname her whole life. Right. Everybody knew her as yep. that name and uh-huh. then come to find, you know, you need a legal name. Right. And when you don't have yep. a clue what her legal name was, because you always thought her name was X and you're trying to match it up with Y and Y doesn't match because X is her name. It gets complicated.
0: That's right. <laughs> that, it gets complicated. And in today's world with security and double confirmations and passwords and all the questions you get asked whenever you call the electric company or the cable company or anybody the cell phone company you've got to have your ducks in a row and if you don't they won't give you any information and then what happens you get stuck and so having that information at your fingertips and ready to go just makes it so much easier. I had that through personal experience, and several of my clients have, have um, you know, through use of the companion book, like about me, have had that experience. And I, I think that having that information available just is so much far superior than not. It just it makes it easier for those left behind.
1: So now that you uh, you've wrote the first book, now I'm going to put you in the spot because I love doing this to people any thoughts of a second book more of a more in-depth look at or practical or i don't know
0: yes yes (laughs) i've got i've got several chapters a lot of information and material put together for a second book i'm really eager to get a second book out there and uh but i've got to focus on this one and get this one going and make sure that it can survive on its own and and gets the sales that are necessary for the publisher to even look at the second book. So oh, they'll look at it. <laughs> I, yeah, they'll look at it. But I wanna, it's a great companion book, and, and I was telling somebody earlier today they had asked me about it, and I'm doing it in a little bit of reverse order. This one deals with the transition of basically um, you know, life to death and and providing information for those left behind. The second one deals a little bit more with families and some of the disputes and, and, and uh, complexities that invo- are involved with families. Because uh, During the estate planning process that I take my clients through, we do a lot of family retreats. And so we learn a lot about the individuals in the family, the relationships between the family, and we talk at significant length about communication and restoring communication or even sometimes rebuilding it where communication has failed. And t- use the estate planning process to help them communicate better on topics that are generally not talked about. I mean, if you think about it, go to a Thanksgiving dinner and lob out any of the following topics, death, money, politics, religion, <laughs> sex, you have, to, that out on the, you on have the, to be a popular on the, guy. <laughs> you, you lob that out on the, the Thanksgiving table and everybody talks for five minutes and then retreats to separate rooms. <laughs> those are taboo subjects. And so, you, you know, communication skillfully done can address a taboo subject as long as people have the ability and skill set to be able to do that. And... Well, our school system does teach us language, I'm not sure our school system does a great job teaching us communication and patience with each other because there's a lot of communication that gets lost uh, when people are trying to interact with one another. Um, that's why, you know, Zoom is great, but Zoom, you don't get the the interpersonal feelings that are happening. You see their face, and you can see their expressions, but you don't necessarily feel what's going on with them at that moment.
1: You are 100% uh, correct about that. Yeah, like what we're doing yeah. now. I don't see you at all, so I, I, if right. you were walking right, right by me right now, talking on the phone, I would have no
0: idea it was you. Right, and I am trying to communicate the emotions, but its it's difficult because I'm on the phone, and I can't emote what I need to emote, and so... Uh, you know, most disputes are caused by lack or failure of communication. And so if we're able to communicate better, then we can avoid disputes both in just regular life and in an estate planning uh, wealth transfer context. And so part of the part of the goal of About Me is to try to help com- families communicate with one another and, and loved ones so that the information is available and and the administration process is just easier and no disputes arise. It's just very sad to me when families dispute in an estate plan administration and the legal system and lawyers involved end up getting significant parts of the estate when the estate should really go to the heirs.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's not, it sounds like a good way to lose anything, any potential earnings by getting the lawyers involved in, it, in trials. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> lawyers
0: will take it. That's right. So it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I want to try to help people get through that. And, yes, lawyers are needed. Yes, we live in a complicated society. Yes, you know, you, you've got to get assistance sometimes. But in many cases, the litigation can be avoided with better communication or full communication and just honesty between the people.
1: Well, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I, I want to make sure I get this out correctly. It sounds like planning ahead with an uh, estate planner saves a lot of trouble down the road with either nothing or bad planning.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was meeting with a client just yesterday, and and you know they were on the fence about whether to do estate planning or not do estate planning until I showed them through estate planning they were going to be able to save a little over $100,000 in estate tax if they signed some paperwork. And I said, Where else could you get $100,000 of tax savings that easy? And they immediately saw the benefit of doing it and said, Yeah, let's move forward. I mean, this is a no brainer. And so, you know, we have a choice when we are planning our estate to uh include the state sometimes you know 38 states don't have a state tax but those the remaining do have a state tax including oregon and washington and as a result if you don't plan your estate you're going to pay the most in tax to the state and in fact your state becomes an air an heir of your uh of your estate so it's very important to do planning i i just finished an article recently that emphasized one other important thing and that is get it done. Take some time to get it done. I've got some statistics in the business planning arrangement. Business transition, it's interesting that an average business owner will spend between 60 and 80,000 hours during their lifetime building their business. Those are averages, but they only spend four hours planning for the transition of their business and so in the estate world it's kind of similar we spend our whole life building our lives building our portfolios doing everything but how much time are we spending on transition and as a result of that the government knows that they know seven out of ten people aren't going to plan so the laws are written that are uh, advantageous for those who plan and disadvantageous for those who don't plan so it's really important to get over the hurdle of procrastination and get something done and make a choice to do it. It's a conscious decision. I think Rush said uh, it's a choice to not make a choice. <laughs> so, that, that, that,
1: Four hours, that's like fascinating to me, that you spend your life building something and then be like, yeah, whatever happens, happens.
0: Right, I mean people some people watch more than four hours of television a night, so <laughs> it's you know it's 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 mind boggling, but you know people I think don't wanna necessarily put the effort in the work in, and that's why making things easy is really important, you know if it were complicated, nobody would wanna do it, and so I really find my practice and this book about me. Uh, an easy button for folks, and it allows them to make the choice, get some information down, do their planning legally with their lawyers, and get something done. That's that's if you do that, you are miles ahead.
1: And I'm just sitting here thinking about building a business for eighty thousand hours. I mean, obviously you've poured your heart and soul. I'm back. I'm back to this. I told you this is fun, and then. You've, you know, took all the time away from the family and all this other stuff, and then you just kind of let it poof.
0: Yeah. Right, right, right. And, and you know, a lot of people think, well, somebody's going to come along and just buy it from me, and then I'll have a pot of gold. Well, that doesn't happen in most of the cases. You know, most of the cases, it's a transition or a shutdown of the business when someone can't work in the business anymore, doesn't want to work in the business anymore or who has passed and isn't available anymore. And so how do you transition a business? And a lot of people think, oh, too complicated, I'll address it tomorrow. And when you say, I'll address it tomorrow, well, guess what? Tomorrow never comes because it's always tomorrow. So, you know, at some point we have to take responsibility and just say, hey, you know, I'm an adult, I need to do this, and I know I don't necessarily like it, but let's get it done.
1: Yeah, so, okay, so take me for an example because I'm a bad example at this point because, like I said, you've enlightened me in the last 40 minutes about this stuff. So I I, uh, go to Google and find myself a uh, estate planner locally. I give them a call. What kind of things should I be asking them to make sure I'm getting a, I'll say it, good estate planner?
0: You betcha. So I would, number one, make sure that they do estate planning as a good part of their practice. If they're a generalist, unless, you know, uh, some small towns have generalists that do everything, wills and criminal, and and that's where the resources are. But uh, larger towns and and some cities, they'll have estate planners. Make sure that they've got the experience, number one. Number two, make sure they've got the time to do it, because estate planners uh you know are very busy lawyers because there's a lot of people out there who are doing estate planning and um there's not a lot of estate planning lawyers out there and so make sure they have the time and and number uh, 3 ask them you know how they charge you, you don't want to ask how much because when you ask a lawyer initially without telling them anything well how much does you know a will cost the lawyer's going to look at you and say well, that's kind of like going into Nordstrom and saying, how much does a sweater cost? The clerk will look at you and say, well, do you want a cashmere sweater or a wool sweater or a cardigan or what What kind of type of sweater do you want? You know, and then I'll tell you the price. And so the lawyer is going to really be the same. I, I think the other thing you look for in a good lawyer is, is make sure there's a good connection. You know, if they seem to care about you, then they're probably going to do a better job this is also a field where you really get what you pay for. If, if you're, you know, getting something online for 49 bucks, uh, I find that a lot of those don't end up actually working because they're either not implemented right or not put together right, or something goes wrong with them. They were not signed right or whatever. Uh, where, you know, Wills and trusts, they don't have to be expensive, but once you explain your situation to the lawyer and give them the facts and allow them to ask questions, then ask how they bill. And some will bill on a flat fee basis, some will bill on an hourly basis, and if they do bill on an hourly basis, ask them for an estimate and realize it's just an estimate. Uh, and then, have a good working relationship with them. Stay in touch with them, and have goals as to when it 's going to be finished, when your next meeting is, when the signing's going to be, and what follow up they do at the end. Those are all valuable things to keep in mind. But I think one of the best is make sure you have a good connection with them because if you don't have a good connection you're probably not going to feel real good about them, and they're maybe not going to care about you that much and Uh,
1: that's not going to work. So, yeah. So let's flip the coin to the other side of this discussion because I'm sure somebody out there is wondering now because they've thought about this and are going to do this. But so now I've done it and got the paperwork all signed and all this other stuff. Now I die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So assuming I had a conversation with somebody that knows I've signed a, a, a trust, how does that work for them?
0: So that person is gonna be generally the successor trustee if that's who you've named and they're gonna be in charge. Hopefully you've told them where your estate planning documents are or who your estate planning lawyer was. Hopefully they've you filled out the book about me with all the information in it, and they can just start paging through it and making phone calls and arrangements that you've identified in the book. Carrying out all those things like what to do with your pets and what funeral arrangements and who to call and who's invited and who your friends are and all of that stuff is going to have to be handled. How to shut down your credit cards, uh, how to dispose of your medications, notifying your doctor. There's a ton of practical, non-legal stuff that needs to be done when it comes time to administer an estate and having it all in one location just makes it so much easier for your friend instead of them having to go on a scavenger hunt and ask questions and have delays and and make guesses about what you wanted or what you had and left behind so you go do all that and then you usually generally will work with the lawyer who did the estate plan to administer the plan or another qualified person to help you administer the plan and if it's a trust maybe you can avoid probate if it's a will maybe you have to go through probate and then the assets get distributed you close up the administration and um you know hopefully have good memories of the individual
1: if it all goes to course and is straightforward and clean how long does that take
0: you know, it, it really depends whether you have a trust or a will. Uh, general, generally, probates take anywhere from four to six months in a simple probate. Sometimes they can go longer. We had one go of 11 years one time. Uh, trust administrations can go a lot faster. In simple cases, it could take a day. Uh, in, more, in other cases, it can take somewhere between, you know, a month or a couple months and then if there's estate taxes involved, you know, obviously we have tax forms that have to be filed. And in there, consult with, the, you know, your local laws about whether your state has the state tax. The good news is that our current federal estate tax exemption is $12,060,000. So you don't have to worry about federal estate tax until your estate exceeds $12 million. Uh, but that may be going down in 2026, so pay attention to the elections coming up.
1: Well, I'm well under that, so we're good there.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are. But some states some states are not as generous. For example, Oregon's exemption is $1 million. That's all it can pass tax-free. Everything over that is taxed at 10 to 16%. Ooh. So, yeah.
1: So they need to send me some money is what we're hearing. Oh, just kidding. Just, just kidding. Jeez, <laughs> just
0: kidding.
1: Uh, oh, okay. So tell me, uh, give me uh, where people can find the book again because I have another off the wall question for you from germantown runners so we're going to go there so i want, want to clean the book up before we close this chapter
0: yeah so uh it's available on amazon uh or beyond words uh just type in beyond words that'll come right up into google search and uh, you can also find it at com. Uh, there are several links in Robert Kabacy R O B E R T K A B A C Y dot com that will take you to uh, multiple areas that you can purchase it from. So you can purchase it from your favorite book outlet, um, whether it be Barnes and Noble or or um, any of those. Yeah, Amazon has got it as well.
1: So okay, so this it's on an off the wall question. I shouldn't insult Germantown Runner like that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I should. Uh, he'll drive up from Maryland and get me. I might need a state planning <laughs> now. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <Right>. what, <laughs> what type of magic is your favorite? Table magic, sleight of hand, big spectacles.
0: You know, I I really like all of them because the table magic is so intimate and it's it's very exact. It's um it, it's it, it's unique and it's it's a lot about the skill parlor magic is pretty good parlor magic is uh, like a small room of maybe ten to thirty people um, that's probably one I like the least and then stage magic is really great because you get the grand illusions and the the storytelling and the the big sound systems and it's it's like a concert with Optical special effects. They're, they're it's it's a pretty fun thing to do. But the intimacy of table magic and and close up magic is is pretty good. There's some great magicians out there. Shin Lim does a great job. Um, well, he just know, popped
1: the, up there in the chat room. Who's your favorite all time favorite magi- musician mu- magician? Not musician. Well, we can talk about musicians here in a minute. But no, <laughs> easy for me to say. You,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Copperfield probably for the, for the grand illusion and, uh, Shin Lim definitely for the close up and, and stage. I think he was the America's Got Talent winner and the grand winner, uh, and I've seen him on stage and he's just spectacular. He does a great job. There's so many good performers out there though. I, you know, it's hard to mention one name without mentioning ten others behind <laughs> it because they're, the, those who do it as a craft, you know, it's, 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 Marvel to watch and it's fun and I I think it's making a comeback a little bit David Blaine has helped bring it back a little bit certainly Chris Angels helped bring it back and and several others have have helped uh you know bring it bring it to the forefront and I'm hoping I can do that with the estate planning and and about me
1: so next question like I said I've told you we do normally a paranormal type show have you had any ghostly experiences from any of your clients coming back and bothering you (laughs)
0: I, I can say no, but I can also say it's hard to tell because those clients who have passed, I have memories of them, and occasionally a memory will pop into my head just out of nowhere, and... Is that considered a paranormal experience? I don't... It's hard it's, to it's tell. It's something, man. It, what,
1: it's it's not convenient, I can tell you that. And uh, the right. one that always gets me is getting songs stuck in my head. And I'll sit there, it, and then you place it with a person, and then you start listening to the words, and you figure out the little message, and it's weird. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's...
0: Uh, Hard to know and it's one of those things that, you know, I've got five senses and and that's what I'm familiar with, and if there's a sixth sense then I'm not familiar with it, but it could strike me here and there and you just maybe we learn in a hundred years that we actually have that sixth sense.
1: So the other question for my buddy Geo observation, he hasn't posted it yet because we still got five minutes left because he normally wants me to ask it exactly last, but I'm gonna do it i am <laughs> I'm gonna do it here a little bit early. Favorite breakfast?
0: My favorite breakfast? Oh, boy! I I think um, I probably have to say bacon and eggs because it's such a treat. Since I eat bran cereal and oatmeal <laughs> just about every day.
1: Yeah, so. I was gonna say that does right. sound a lot better than bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It, it, you you said cardboard boxes and rice cakes, right?
0: <laughs> I did. I did. Yes.
1: Oh, man. I'm 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 sorry you're trying to be healthy and live forever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I feel better. But those bacon and eggs sure taste good on a Saturday morning.
1: So, now, I, I'm going to give you a minute here because um, when I think of Oregon, I think of Green Lush Forest and the, the football team, the Oregon Ducks. I am mm-hmm. sure there's a lot more to Oregon that I don't know. So, give me a couple minutes of what, I, if I ever make it to Oregon, what I should do.
0: Oh, we've got the rivers, the outdoor activities. Uh, you've got good food, uh, you've got spectacular restaurants here, you've got Maloma Falls. And one of the special things about Oregon is you've got just two hours away, you've got the mountains and skiing, you've got the desert, you've got the coast. I mean, where else in the country could you go within a six-hour period and hit the desert, the slopes, and the ocean you know, all in the same day. I mean, they, they even have a hood to coast run where people run that over a period of time. And so it's there's there's a lot of outdoor activities here to do, and the people are great, and it's, it, it's a wonderful atmosphere here in the Northwest.
1: I love it. Okay, so Germantown Runner pops this other question up. And I love it. And I'm going to ask you because I, I I'm going to answer it too. Who's your favorite TV judge? Judge Judy, Judge Jeannie, J- Judge Jerry Springer.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, I, you know I <laughs> you caught, you got me on that one. I don't generally watch those programs. I have seen the Jerry Springer show. I'm not sure he's a judge. Maybe he is. Well, I think I, he's got I, a new
1: one think. out where he he does the um, the court thing.
0: Does he does he do Judge Judge Jerry or whatever? Yeah, anyway. so,
1: I haven't seen it, but it, I've know, seen a clip. I've seen a promo clip I, for it. So
0: if I had to think back, I think probably the pioneer of it, Judge Wapner, just for sheer entertainment sake. He was no nonsense and just matter of fact. And um, was that the People's Court or something? Yeah. I don't. I don't watch TV, so yeah. it's hard for me to guess. I,
1: I was going to say, what's the judge from Night Court? Um, you know, the comedy show that was on NBC in the late 80s, 90s? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can see him. Anyway, somebody will pop that up <laughs> after the show is over, because at this rate, we're running out of time. So, Well, yeah. Bob, we, we were. I wasn't worried, but we had a conversation about making an hour go fast, and we surely did that tonight.
0: We did. It was an enjoyable talk with you, and I hope your listeners got some benefit from it. I really hope that they you know, take that step and do some estate planning, uh, get a lawyer, get at least a simple will or, you know, explore what a trust can do and pick up a copy of About Me. It's a a great companion and a great way to get motivated to do the planning that is really acts as a bridge between, you know, information from the living, uh, from the what for those who have passed to the living heirs that are left behind. So,
1: well, Bob, when you get the other book finished, I know you're still promoting hard on this one, but uh, make sure I, you get come back around because I'm sure we'll have another good conversation. And you can come back anyway. Thanks. We can talk. We can talk Thanks. about. I would love to do that. <laughs> well, have a good evening.
0: All right, you too. Take care. Bye bye.
1: So there we go. Kicked Bob off a few seconds early because I got to warn you, you live listeners out there. Next week, big week around here. Uh, Not often that the show falls on the 31st, which is the anniversary of the show. March, I mean May 31st, 2011. So the show will be turning 11. Excuse me, next week. Got a few hooks out. We'll see if I book one of these big guests. Interesting interesting guests for the anniversary show. If not, I'm sure German Germantown runner may remember the link. I've sent him for, um, well, there's future guests on the Thank you for joining us It's been a good show tonight I hope you enjoyed it Take a few moments, subscribe, share All the fun stuff, you know how to do it I don't have to tell you Just uh, be ready for next week It'll be sooner than you think